0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to big ol' episode 62 of NerdPod Generations. As always, I am one of your lovely co-hosts, Steve Taylor, alongside Al Judson. Hello, sir. Hello, friends and enemies. And who else do we have with us uh, today, We sir? have
1: returning again this week is our lovely co-host, Kelly. Hello. How's it and going? why
0: is Kelly here, Al?
1: Kelly knows more about Lord of the Rings than you and I combine. <laughs> and what are we talking about today, Al? Uh, we may or may not be talking about those precious... Excellent Lord of the Rings movies.
0: Are precious. Yes. Yes. We are going to be talking about the three Lord of the Rings movies, Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King, which we are very excited for. Which are 2001, 2002, 2003, right? They came out yes. Yeah, once every year. That's what I thought. Uh, Alright, so, so once again, this Nerd NerdPod Generations uh, episode 62, meaning there are 61 pure gold episodes in our vault. If this is your first time listening to us, please go back, listen to all the other ones. You will hear wonderful stories, great insight on movies, nerd culture, and whatnot. If you have friends who have never listened to us and you think they might like us, please let them know about us. Type our name, NerdPod Generations, into Google and pretty much... Every streaming site, ones that I have never heard of for podcasts, will appear, and you can pretty much listen to it on the moon if you want, I think, at this point. Um, also, we have a YouTube channel, uh, Generations on YouTube.com where we do a bunch of little videos, mainly, mainly their film reviews, but then we also talk about personal projects and whatnot. Go there, watch the videos if you like them, subscribe to the channel. Hit the, you know, like each video, let us know what you think about them. Also, we have personal websites, staylorbooks.com. Jetsamstudios.org
1: under the Bronx Division tab.
0: And both of our websites and the YouTube channel has places where you can give us feedback. Yes. And, you know, we're really trying to build this brand in a big way that'll help us is if we get feedback from our fans of, A, what we can do better, what you like about the show, what topics you want us to hit, because in reality, and I'm going to say this about Al and I. I'm going to leave Kelly out of this because I do not believe this for her, but I believe this for us. We oh, are yeah. whores, and we will talk about anything you want us to talk about. Oh, yeah. We will sell ourselves I've said it before. for you.
1: I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. We would go back and finish Halo if oh, there God, was a would. push for people from people <sighs> for us to do that.
0: We would do it. I said we're whores. I didn't say we we're dirty whores. Because yeah, so that slow. is like... That's like $5 Vegas middle of the afternoon right there.
1: It's digging in. (laughs) (laughs) It's digging in
0: a little bit. But anyways, folks, we love what we do. We want you to listen to us, and we hope you enjoy it as well. Um, This is a continuation of where we kicked off last episode, which is our big Middle Earth extravaganza, I like to refer to it as. Uh, We talked about The Hobbit, the first uh, three movies of, let's say, the six movie arc mm-hmm. um so we have our reviews we have our input we have kind of our thoughts on all of them and today we are going to be delving into lord of the rings we are going to attempt to get through all three we are very long-winded and we love these movies
1: plus we brought in an expert and yes. we got to make sure she has time <laughs> yes. to, to get- and
0: i got to give kelly a lot of credit she kept us on point a lot during that ep- last episode sure. because Aww. we were going on some serious tangents. I
1: was... I, I just finished editing it a little bit ago. Yeah. And I gotta say, I was not hyper-focused on that episode. No.
0: It was really one of those, like, shiny object. Ooh, Dude, we were so tangented out. And yeah. then all of a sudden, Kelly would be like, anyway, back to... And it's like, <laughs> oh, God, we needed that so bad. Um, and it's, it's... You know, I, I think a lot of it went into... It was a mixed bag on those movies. And so it was easy to go off on tangents to where these movies... Our beloved, yeah. yeah, in this household,
2: there was, there was a lot to <clears throat> complain about, but yes. there was a lot of good stuff to talk yes. about. Whereas, yes. I think this one we're gonna be leaning more heavily on the good stuff, it's gonna be it
1: has more good stuff, it's gonna be harder to actually come up with like Criticism. real, actual critiques. Yeah, I am not my mother, my mother, not a well, U-trap. let's start with that. Yeah, okay, so Lord
0: of the Rings, folks. Um, Came out 2001, 2002, 2003. They, I think it was every Christmas season that yeah. came out. When the first one came out, I remember my, I was, I never read The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings when these came out, mainly because I had a hard time at that point reading um, fantasy just because of the names were all weird and I, it would just drive me nuts. But like Harry Potter, once I saw the movie, I could go back and read the books because the names I could hear in my head Because they were spoken by all the actors and whatnot. My brother and father, though, were hardcore Tolkien fans. Massive. Read the books constantly, read them all the time. And the best reaction to these movies came from them where they said they were not perfect because there were a lot of things out of them. But they love them because they can't imagine anyone making them better. Mm -hmm. And you go back to a lot of what they talk about in the appendices with Peter Jackson saying... You got to cut things like Tom Bombadil and certain things because they're not cinematic. They're not important to move the story. To where in a book you can kind of go off on little tangents here and there, but in a film you got to keep it kind of tight.
1: There's an easier solution. I, I remember talking to my mom about this because my mom and my brothers, mm. similarly, huge Tolkien fans, mm. and have been for a very long time. Um, last uh, episode. I talked about how I needed to call my mom and ask her questions about The Hobbit, and I have since done so. And she immediately had the answer, along with a 20-minute anecdote about the scene Mm. in the book. So she knows these stories extremely well, Mm. and she sat through all three movies Mm. very begrudgingly, was not happy about all three movies. And I remember after seeing the first one, having a conversation with her about how uh what what she found so frustrating about it and she brought up tom bombadil and she was like you have to have tom bombadil because you have to have the barrows because that's where the hobbits get their swords and i'm thinking like you're not wrong Mm -hmm. but at the same time aragorn can easily just give them swords yeah and that cuts out that whole thing which is exists in kind of this You know, middle plane. And And he's like a godlike figure. And
2: and that's why they cut him out, is because his presence they felt was too confusing plot wise. Because he he isn't affected by the ring. Mm -hmm. And that would probably confuse people because it's like, oh, well, like. You know, pretty much anybody can get corrupted by this thing, except,
0: Tom except for this one random yeah.
2: guy who lives in the woods with his hot girlfriend.
0: Yeah, and so, his his arc would have probably added another hour, hour and a half to the. Oh movie yeah, season. they did not have
2: the time for no. it. Yeah. And really, I think the only the only interpretation I can think of in media that actually uses Tom Bombadil and do and uses it well that isn't like an audio play because that's more of hmm. you know a direct lift from the books. There was a video game of the events of Fellowship of the Ring Yes. from ages ago. It was on PC, Game Boy Advance, it was on a yep, few different consoles. That. And it was like right before the Peter Jackson movies came out. So they just kind of stopped at that first one. Mm-hmm. But the Tom Bombadil scenes in it are really solid. Mm-hmm. Like they, they incorporate him very well. And, and really, I think that's the only one I can think of that actually really uses him like that.
1: This is the thing is that I'm sure that if my mom was here right now... She would have similar to how I felt about Obi Wan, a litany of reasons why you have to have Mm -hmm. Tom Bombadil in the story in order for these character beats to work later on in Mm -hmm. the plot, and it's not as simple as just like the Hobbits need swords, so we gotta do this whole Tom Bombadil thing. There's like it, that's all canon, that's all backstory to the world, and Mm -hmm. you know like he's a being very similar to Gandalf, who's just like it's beyond time, Mm -hmm. but it is challenging because we just heard from Gandalf that this thing is very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Even the, for him. And then the very next person we meet, who is on similar levels as Gandalf, is like, ah, oh, cool. Nice knick-knack. That's mm-hmm. fun. And it also would just add another level of the, the eagles. Why not ride the eagles? Why not just give the ring to Tom Bombadil and be like, can you, like, take this over there? And, like,
0: yeah,
1: we'll give you, like, an armed guard and everything.
0: And that, and that always bothered me after I did read the books. That exact thing. It's mm-hmm. like, well, why is anyone that's affected by it taking the ring when you could have just give it a tampon to
1: them. yeah if there is a person who's not affected by yeah. it who is a godly creature why aren't they using their powers
0: to exactly. help
1: affect this exactly yeah. and so but again I'm sure my mom would have like six reasons why yeah. and they'd all be just as honest as any of my reasons for not liking and I men.
0: look I look at Lord of the Rings like I look at Dune because mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who are massive fans of the books And they had the same criticism with this recent Denise Villeneuve movie. It's not perfect, but they can't imagine a person making a better film version of it.
2: Yeah. And Tolkien said himself, like, this would be impossible to make into a movie. Yeah. Which is why during his lifetime, he was, you know, exceedingly hesitant to sign off on any rights to it. Yeah. I think it wasn't until. He passed he and, yeah, it yeah was his um, estate the and, Christa- and yeah Christopher and his estate actually signed off on a few projects yeah. and even then it was like so limited compared to what people wanted to do. Yeah. There's a really great fan documentary mm-hmm. about Tolkien's books and the culture base around it. <laughs> the speaking of adaptions that we never got, as mm-hmm. we mentioned last week with the Del Toro Hobbit, there was going to be an animated Lord of the Rings movie. Where the Beatles were gonna be voice actors oh, in it? God. They were gonna be Can the. Can you hobbits. imagine? Well, one of them was gonna be Gollum. Oh really? Yeah. Probably Ringo. I think it was Ringo. <laughs> um, nice. But like, <laughs> like that sort of stuff. Yeah. I, like, I I don't blame them for being very hesitant to like, maybe not. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's that
2: you know. that's so fair. many drugs back then. Yeah. Yeah, and the the animated ones we do have, at least that are like widely mm-hmm. released and everything. So we have the lovely Rankin and Bass animated Hobbit, which we Mm talked about last week. Started it all off, really beautiful, wonderful styles and everything. And then there's the Bakshi Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And it actually fits really well, because the Bakshi Lord of the Rings is fellowship and a decent amount of two towers. Mm -hmm. And then Rankin and Bass went back, and they made Return of the King. So you really have, like, all of those stories animated, which is so... Fascinating.
1: And because it's Bakshi, he's not doing like
2: yeah. Bakshi's version is also cr-
1: like the animation's. The very... animation is crazy because oh, it's, it's, out of it's yeah.
2: all that rotoscope. It's, an acid trip. it's so all the
1: villains are rotoscoped
0: into the, the yeah. movie. And they're
2: it's... they're freaking scary. Like yeah. the... Which, and
0: I'm, I forgot to mention this last time. The Rankin and Bass has such an impact. That yeah. when I think of Bilbo Baggins, I I immediately that Bilbo picture comes yeah. to my head. Yeah,
2: that that style that they use is just so iconic.
0: Yeah, yeah. and unfortunately, there are a lot of this generation, this new generation, that'll ne- that a will never see it, or have never seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's that's sad because you I mean, know what it will... is?
2: It needs to be on streaming somewhere yeah.
0: honestly yeah if it was on make streaming. it accessible yeah because i don't even think they have like a special edition blue or anything no. like that like, no.
1: we don't
2: you can barely get it on dvd yeah. we
1: just have the dvd copies DVD yeah. copies. Yeah. yeah that's it we, so, we yeah. bought it on voodoo for some of them but one of them isn't even available on voodoo
2: yeah and the the hobbit we actually have the soundtrack on vinyl we do and it's actually it's like a weird soundtrack because it mm. also has like some the of the audio from the scenes, oh, like okay. narration, almost it's very cool.
0: But see, like I'm kind of wondering now that Amazon has the rights, I assume they have the rights to those as well, since they have the. <laughs> those might still be with the studios that they might bought still them be in the, the first place. Overall.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say. So Amazon situation, because I know this, um, Amazon situation is weird because a they were told they can't use like certain plot lines mm. and stuff in their adaptations because they didn't want them to overlap with the Peter Jackson movies too gotcha. much, which is totally fair so they're doing more of like young Galadriel, they're like going way back way in back. time, like I think they're t- covering a lot of the like ancient dwarves is which is going to be really cool, or yeah but the other thing was the actual studio making that show they only had a certain amount of time where it was like okay, if you don't get it within like this like year and a half period, uh-huh. then you can't do it at all, because oh, well. that was part of the, the rights contract So they kind of, like, hustled together to, like, make sure that they were, like, following their schedule and they could complete it in time
0: for that. That's a crazy trick. Yeah. Well, hopefully somebody releases some, because I think they The Tolkien
2: Estate is very picky now. Yeah. Now that Christopher has passed and, you know, they gave Peter Jackson his shot and he did pretty good. Mm. And I think now they're a lot more hesitant. Because they also, to the irk of a lot of fans, they recently came out and said that they really don't want a lot of, like, Fan created content like out there much anymore. It's like, all right, so you're really just gonna make us wait until
0: so you're
1: saying the they turn copyright. Nintendo, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's, have you ever, it reminds me of the stories of George Lucas when someone gave him a fan script oh, yeah. and it was fan fiction. Uh-huh. And he was just like, I mean, I'm all for people using Star Wars, but uh, I don't know about this. This, yeah. I don't know about that one.
2: Yeah. And, so, back the to... the writing a- was probably better. Yes. Back to what we're here to talk about, mm-hmm. the movie this themselves.
0: Fellowship of the Ring. Let's
2: start at the very one. beginning. we got to start at the one. beginning.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now, this, A, is my favorite trilogy ever. Mm-hmm. So, that's where I'm going to start with. Which, I love the Indiana Jones original trilogy, so this is light years above that, in my opinion. This is, by far, the most watchable owned videos I have. This is the problem for me. What?
1: Is that... I the nostalgia quotient for both Star Wars and Indiana Jones gives them such a bonus that Lord of the Rings just doesn't have. Like on top mm-hmm. of just being really good movies, I those are my childhood. <laughs> no, they are. And so like, oh, no, they're my ch- especially my so, childhood. Like, and, and like granted, Lord of the Rings came out when I was a kid, but yeah. we weren't like a big Lord of the Rings house, unless you count uh, quoting the toy commercials mm. that that went around a lot. Get him Gimli. Get him Gimli. <laughs> oh, the, Frodo, look out. A cave troll. The
2: Burger King toys. Burger King had a line of toys where you would get like character stands um, and they would all plug into like a base and they would all like make noises and stuff. We have a full set. Oh <laughs> because my God, we went amazing. and got all of them. That.
1: So that's this amazing. is the difference. <laughs> yeah. is, that, is that she has, I can, I can imagine this being your favorite trilogy of films.
2: Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And I can see
1: it being what? yours, but I can't. For me, I still stop and think. Well, Indiana Jones is really good, and there's see, the, and the holy trilogy. But yeah. the if, the main, if something's going
2: to be your favorite over it, then that's a good one. Yeah. See, the
0: main thing that, and it starts with Fellowship, is maybe Indiana Jones fits into this, but Star Wars, a little this, the effects in this movie, mm-hmm. the quality yeah. of the filmmaking will hold up fifty years down the line. Oh yeah, yeah. there will be no, no needing to alter it like Lucas did with Star Wars or any of that crap. This will hold up. There's arguments to be made that
2: Lucas didn't need to alter. <laughs> no, Star Wars. he didn't need
0: to alter, and he was. Yeah. a douchebag.
2: But there's there's something to be said how, how in how so many ways these movies were made at just the right time. Oh yeah. exactly. They had the right amount of practical and digital. They had the right actors in the right place, and because I'd really like to talk about the casting in a hot sec. Yeah.
0: Which is one of the yeah, absolute best parts the of the best, and
2: like everybody was like right where they needed to be, yeah. and it was. It,
1: Oh. I just wanna say one thing about the production that I think goes into what you're saying. Yeah. It was made at the right time, not just in terms of like the people and the the ability to make mm. it, but like the actual ability of filmmaking at the time yeah. was such that like they really couldn't be over reliant on CGI. So they, they filmed had, on film. They needed to yeah. come they up they had
2: a warehouse of film.
1: They needed to come up with practical solutions to telling this story yeah. so it wasn't just about like like the well, forest perspective yeah it's not just about like oh cgi is mm. just like we can do anything let's do anything yeah it's, it was very thought out it was very planned mm-hmm. it yeah. was very um purposeful mm.
2: like when we rewatched them not too long ago you know we went back and watched some of the featurettes and i was kind of like oh like these are the ones that we should probably watch so we can talk about them the miniatures and mm-hmm the miniatures that they made for this are so and they're
0: in a vault they're somewhere huge. Yeah. they're huge i love huge. that they're called bigatures bigatures yeah, yeah so big but it's,
2: and they were like oh well in order to have like this detail show up in like mm-hmm. the right clarity we had to make sure it was you know this ratio which yeah. meant the whole thing was 20 30 feet. it was very, like, jesus
1: it was very like golden age of hollywood when mm-hmm. they would like rebuild mesopotamia mm-hmm in order or Babylon. Yeah. To so they could do a movie. And
2: Yeah, and the other thing was the the way they incorporated their concept art. Because there are two illustrators mm-hmm. that worked on a lot of the covers and stuff for some of the oh, original yes. printings. Alan, Alan and But you know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know exactly yeah.
0: what you're talking about. They're all over the Yeah.
2: would just like take their like drawings and paintings and stuff and just like make actual recreations of what they were mm-hmm. drawing. Um, and I just remember talking, the one
0: like, the one dude had horrible teeth every time he was <laughs> Yeah, I remember <laughs> had like, horrible teeth. Oh yeah. But no, I and I'm glad you brought up some of the bonus because this movie The Fellowship of the Ring when it first came out on DVD, it absolutely ruined bonus content on anything else that came out yeah. <laughs> ever because the bonus content on these discs is Flawless, and it is...
2: And it goes so in-depth. Oh, my
0: God. It's six hours per disc of bonus content. And going into the cast, bonus content on this has the fellowship of the cast, where they talk about getting the cat. I've watched that literally 20 times.
2: Have you watched the commentaries? Yes. The cast commentary is the most enjoyable way to watch these movies, because their perspective is Mm. so fascinating, especially when you remember, because I pulled up uh, an age chart, how old they all were when oh, they yeah, started they were... filming. And it's crazy to think about how young a lot of them were. Yeah.
0: When Elijah would Elijah turn 19 on the set of yeah. Fellowship? So, um, Orlando Bloom was probably 19 or 20? Right? Orlando
2: Bloom turned 22 while he was flying over to start filming. That's... Because him and Billy Boyd rode the Who plane turned 30. Yeah.
0: That's right. That's right.
2: Um, so Billy Boyd is the oldest of the Hobbits, yeah. even though Pippin is the youngest of the Hobbits. And I, I do listen love. to, if
0: you ever listen to the Friendship Onion. Oh, I want to the, so bad. The podcast that has um, Dominic Moynihan, Billy Boyd, it's awesome. Oh, a lot of commercials, which kind of sucks, but they're amazing listening to those two talk together. Yeah. So you,
1: have you seen the clip of the little girl at a convention asking Billy Boyd a question? And I'll show it to you later. Okay. She, she asks him about why Frodo didn't just throw the ring into the fire <laughs> when, when it there. was so easy and Billy Boyd goes on this tirade about like yeah I know he had right? one job he had and one didn't... job Pittman Pittman had
0: like five jobs <laughs> that is awesome that's so no, and going into the cast I want to start with a cast member that was cut and how different yes. it would have made the movie. Oh, I
1: know who you're talking about. Stuart
0: Townsend as Aragon. Oh. I thought you were going to go Nicolas Cage.
2: Nicholas Cage? No,
0: because Nicolas Cage... Nicolas Cage was originally that.
1: that's That's the big one. The <laughs> part big, of me wants to see that. The big one is that Nicolas Cage was almost Aragon.
0: But he was almost Aragon, Gorn. but Stuart Townsend literally was Aragon.
2: Gorn. Aragorn. 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 Aragorn.
0: Aragorn. I apologize. He was Aragorn for like, what, like three or four weeks of filming? before they brought Viggo oh, Mortensen yeah, in. yeah. So he actually was Aragorn. Yeah. And it's like, I like Stuart Townsend, but I am so glad they made that change. Yeah. Because I can't imagine anyone but Viggo Mortensen playing His Aragorn. first
2: day on set was Weathertop. Can yeah. you imagine just getting thrown into yeah. it like that?
0: Never using a sword before, and he's sitting there, <laughs> <just> flailing <laughs> it. And
2: he grew an attachment to that sword, which I love. Oh,
1: the
0: stories he told about
2: I know.
1: that. I love the attachments he through to literally everything. Yes. The cast, the horses. horses. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Him as the leader is great. Sean Bean as Boromir, which I'm so happy he died because Sean Bean has to die in every movie. It has to die. Just has to happen. And then it's like everyone from there is just perfect.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: I like Elijah Wood.
2: I like Don't you him.
0: Dare. No, I like him as an actor.
2: Don't
0: you dare. They played him too young, I think, because he's actually in his 50s. Technically, Hob- when the book takes place, Hobbit right? ages
2: are a bit different. Yeah. They
0: are a bit different, but they still played him, I think, he's, a little too young.
2: Yes, he is a bit young.
0: A little too young. But that's only my real gripe with the casting, is yeah. I think they just played him a little too young. Other than that, everyone was perfect.
2: Yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I, I
0: the do. Big,
2: the biggest thing, I think, is that the reason he's so young is in the books, there's like over a decade of time that passes between Bilbo's birthday and when Frodo and actually leaves. when he leaves. leaves. Yes. yeah. That's why he's so much older when they actually leave. And in this version, it's more... cut. It like feels more day. like it's a couple of months or something. True. You know? That's if true. that.
1: It, he leaves pretty right quick. Like, he has the exact opposite reaction as he has in the book. Whereas the book, like, yeah. he's like... well, I'm Maybe gonna- it's...
2: It's probably a year. And I'll say this because... So, the there's Bilbo's birthday party.
0: And then Gandalf goes to... And
2: Gandalf goes... Canonically, they leave the Shire on his birthday...
3: Mm
0: -hmm. in
2: the books because they have to be at weathertop by early october Mm -hmm. and they get to rivendell by the end of october Mm -hmm. so i i feel like they were
1: going for more like a year instead of like the many years it was in the even then like when when gandalf comes back and is like you gotta leave yeah like he leaves immediately but when that happens in the books frodo's like okay well let me move out of bag end and I'll move oh, to yeah. the other they end have, of the like, Shire. This whole logistics and, plan, like, I'm gonna go tell people I'm moving with relatives. Uh, and... I'm, I'm, let me introduce my new roommate, Fatty
0: Bulger, and uh, we're gonna get along great. And, and see, and that's uh, the, that's what I appreciated with the editing, because like you didn't need all that shit. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a bunch of stuff you didn't need in there. Yeah,
1: we're not here for that.
0: No, we're not. You don't. We don't need to see that. We need to see. <laughs> well, and it I just makes so
1: much more sense for him to leave immediately. I have
0: always debated how long it was between Gandalf leaving and then coming back, and Frodo leaving. And I, a year sounds right. And I've always thought it was around then, but I've had people like, "No, it was like a couple months." I'm like, "He rode all the way to Gondor and then did all that research and then rode all the way back." Yes, That's not something that happens in a month.
2: Because you have to keep in mind when the fellowship is like going on their thing, it takes them three months to get from Rivendell to when the ring is destroyed. Yes, and Gandalf is like making this trip on his own, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's, he's taking his time drinking has, and yeah, going through to
2: the scrolls. He has to go hit up Saruman, and he probably has to go do other stuff. Yes. He
1: doesn't necessarily have Shadowfax, the fastest
0: horse in the world. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think agree. It's I like that. I like a year. I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. See? That's why we have an expert. That's right? why we have the expert. <laughs> um, But I, I got to say, my favorite my favorite is still John Rhys-Davies' Gimli.
1: Oh, I feel so bad for him. Because oh, with the prosthetics? The prosthetics. Yes. Yeah, uh, the... Allergic reaction that he had to the prosthetics. Yeah. It was just. You hear but just the
0: story well. where they're like, he would just bash the extras because he had no idea where they were. yeah and He would just swing his axe and just absolutely hammer these dudes. I was like, that's kind of awesome. Well,
1: I love, um I think it's Dominic Monaghan has a little interview that he does. Oh, yeah. Where he goes over how John Reese Davies would plan out fight scenes. Yes. And then he'd just be like, I
2: will come over here and I will hit you, and then I will go there and I will hit you.
0: And you'll come at me, and I'll hit you. And you believe every word of it, yeah. Because then you they you see the interviews with John Rhys Davies, and you're like, that's exactly. how Dominic. It sounded. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's solo from Freaking indie. Yeah, man. I know, He's right? Guys with access. I know. Um, so good. It is amazing to the scale doubles they used. Yeah. And the stories about them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: And just the integration was so yeah. seamless. I mean, if you can get nitpicky, if you really, really focus in on. A couple little scenes here and there you might be able to pick it up but for the most part yeah it's seamless it's
1: yeah. everything all the effects in this are all seamless and, yeah. and
2: they and they use them for the shots where they know they can get away with it exactly because a lot of them had like you know like face masks basically mm-hmm. that looked like the actors so you're like usually far enough away where it doesn't really matter
0: yeah, yeah.
1: exactly they don't look like Michael Myers
2: they're not
0: expressing and, and that and far the away. fact that they were able to pull this off in 2000 and well they started filming in 99 yeah pisses me off when you can't do it nowadays yeah when these they they tried to do it digitally and all that's like no they did it that long ago and made it look good you should be able to do it god and mm. they
2: reinvented the wheel to do it so yes. the, the two big things that came out of lord of the rings effects wise was fire particle animation mm-hmm. where they would take like a lot of small samples of flames and like map it around a certain area and it looked pretty good mm-hmm. plus remember they're printing these effects onto film, mm-hmm. which also had its own stuff going on. And the other thing is a program called Massive, mm-hmm. which basically made it so they could create armies with a certain appearance and have all of these different members of the army be unique, but mm-hmm. all fit that theme, and they all have like their unique animations and everything. So it was this huge program that they wrote specifically for these movies. Mm-hmm. And... It's been used for like so much other stuff yeah. since. Well,
1: it's like how Star Wars reinvented the visual effects. Well, yeah. I was going to say,
0: and you think about it, and the e- the equal thing they have is Star Wars reinvented special effects and created Industrial Light and Magic in the process. Yeah. They created what a digital, which is now the biggest thing. Yeah. You know, I think it's even bigger than Industrial Light and Magic now.
2: Oh yeah, it's enormous.
0: And so it's like both of them had to reinvent not only how to do things, but then they created these massive companies which are light years ahead of everyone else.
1: Side tangent. To anybody who wants to have a little bit of fun in an afternoon, watch Adam Savage walk through the Weta Warehouse. Oh I've seen this. Oh my god. So good. I've seen that. It is like watching a kid in a candy store, except that the candy tear comes over and explains why the chocolate's special. (laughs) And
0: and that's I think that's what makes the effect so great is I don't know if there's ever been next to Harry Potter a film universe that I want to live in. Like Mm -hmm. I would cut off Mm. an arm to live in that universe.
2: Yeah. You know what's great, which I was telling him about earlier, the area where they set up Hobbiton, mm-hmm. which is like an actual place, and like they like revamped it for the mm-hmm. Hobbit. And you can like go there. You can like go and have drinks at the. Green which track. I got a funny story. It's about crazy. That. But when they were going back and doing the the color grading, uh-huh. they had to desaturate it because it was too lush and beautiful and didn't look real.
1: In yeah. the Hobbit, right? The Hobbit. No, and Lord, oh, oh,
0: Lord of the Rings too. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because New Zealand, baby, I would love to go. So I, beautiful. I hate flying, but I would fly 20 hours to go to New oh, Zealand. Oh, yeah. in a heartbeat. Would, in a heartbeat. Yeah. But if there was... Uh, did you ever hear of Graham Norton? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Graham Norton show, he had a... It was when, I believe the first Hobbit movie was coming out and he had Robin Williams and Elijah Wood on. And Elijah Wood brought up how Hobbiton was a real place and both Graham Norton and Robin Williams started just railing (laughs) on him. It is not real! And he's like, no, no, it's real. They made... And they started like completely... It was hysterical. And you're just watching poor Elijah Wood like, it actually is real. It's real. But they were just... Those two comedians, especially Robin Williams, once he went off, you're like, okay, just let it go. When,
1: When we were planning our wedding, we honestly put on our registry if anybody wants to give us enough money that we can have (laughs) our honeymoon in hobbiton that would be we wouldn't say no like if you don't want to get us a kettle and you just want to put like i don't know to do do
0: one of those tours where it takes you all over new zealand to all the filming oh my god it's amazing i don't know what i would do like that would be you know if there's a bucket list i don't have one but if there is that would be the very top yeah absolute top
3: it's,
2: it's so funny because a lot of people that live in new mm. zealand they'll now talk about how like if you were like willing and had a pulse in new zealand they were like begging for extras yeah and it's so great because do you know flight of the Concord? oh yeah you're aware that brett mckenzie uh is one of the elves oh right? yes oh yeah he's in the council of elrond in the original trilogy He's, oh, I gotta go back and watch it He's know. in an extended scene with Liv Tyler in one of the later ones. Uh, and then he does come back for the Hobbit movies in like a cameo at some point.
0: I'm gonna have to go back and watch <laughs> him though. It's
2: so great!
0: And <laughs> he the server with...
2: No, I think he's the one that greets them when uh, they first get there.
0: I don't know what he looks
1: like offhand. Yeah, I'll, I'll point Friday it out to you Concours. later.
0: Um, so I have to point out one thing. Yeah. And I will argue this till the day I die. This movie has the greatest death scene of any film in the history of cinema and that's yeah. Boromir's death scene. I am sorry it's so from good. when he get starts to get hit by arrows to when Aragorn sh- shows up I'm going to I'm going to butcher that name a million times I always do. Gotcha. When he shows up, kills the orc and then does the death scene. That is to this day chokes me up and I've seen it a million times. That is the greatest death scene ever. It's
2: good timing with like, the slow motion shots and
0: like, and the emotion, the yeah. acting in them—it's just like
2: how everything gets quiet except for the music and like everyone's vocalization. So like Aragorn's stre- screaming and Boromir's like, "Oh!" Uh,
0: and I appreciate uh, always, and this is something that always comes, to, sticks out to me. Like Aragorn is covered in dirt, yeah, and blood it's and all and the it's, time, yeah. <laughs> but like especially in this scene, it's supposed to be like this emotional scene, that typically in films, I don't know, they find a way to pretty people up, yeah. But they were just beaten and just devastated well, and it like, was so good. The
1: makeup on Bormir so good. Like oh, he looks God. like he's lost several pints of blood. Yeah. Yes, he does. His face is like stark white, his lips are purple. He looks like he's losing a lot of
0: blood. And Very it's like yeah. a heroic like one of the most heroic death yeah. scenes. Yeah. And
2: when they when they send him off on the boat, that is a full I think it was a wax statue wow. of him that they had made and like they said it was like so realistic it was almost like creepy because you know they have like the beard in there yeah. and everything. Oh. Yeah. Oh man. It's it's heart wrenching though.
0: Brett McKenzie, actually... I remember the scene. It's he's the one that tells Liv Tyler they have to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and then you're right, oh, he is the that one elf. that greets them. Yeah. As soon as I saw the picture I'm like that's absolutely. I remember it now. Totally. He just looks they make him look so I don't want us to use the term effeminate, but just pretty. Elf-like. elf elven. Elven. Yeah. Exactly. He's very elven, like yeah. you would expect. Like and it's a... so
2: weird to see him without his beard, to be Exactly. Honest.
0: And that's what I think threw me <laughs> off, and now I look, li- and you, it's in the eyes. You see the eyes, are yeah. like totally freaking elven. Yeah. Okay. yeah. We need to get back on track here yes. because yeah. we're still spinning wheels on, on Fellowship. We
1: haven't even gotten, we're still talking about the production of Fellowship. And the cast. Yeah. yeah. Which,
0: honestly, they're monumental. So they're gonna take time. Yeah. yeah. We were gonna since,
2: since we're heading into a new movie, I'd like to point out something interesting, which is a lot of people were a little confused As Mm. to why they made the decision to line up the different plot lines in each movie, like they did. Mm. And the reason was they, like, grabbed basically a a physical, like, timeline Mm. calendar of where everybody was at different points. And they had to kind of navigate, like, all right, well, you know, in canon, they were all here in their journeys on these dates. Mm. They tried to line it up as much as possible. Which is why I think the whole Shelob's layer stuff is actually in two
0: towers. It's in two towers, and two towers. yeah. But you're right; everything fits linearly. Like when you watch these yeah. films back to back, which I have done more times than I like to admit, um, <laughs> they, it does all fit. Like there's not yeah. a point where you're like, "That just seems a little out of whack." Yeah, they but that, that's of because reguines.
2: of so much like hemming and hawing over mm-hmm. like where are we gonna like you know start yeah. and stop everything. Remember these
0: filmmakers deserved the millions they made off of these movies. Yeah,
1: remember that when we watch it with mom. Because this is where the the change oh, in know. Faramir comes in. Because Faramir is the oh, I know. Uh, the sacrificial lamb mm. to, to make all those timelines line yeah. up. And see,
0: and I think most people who love books and then see the movie version, they need to watch like a a movie, either a movie making class, mm-hmm. or. The director's explanation on why. Because mm-hmm. when you watch Peter Jackson's explanation on why certain things were left out, or like you're saying with the linear, totally makes sense, mm-hmm. especially for film.
2: Yeah.
0: Because once again, the books can they had... jump all over the place because yeah. the books.
2: Yeah, they had solid reasoning for all exactly. the decisions that exactly. they made.
0: Yeah. And that's the unfortunate thing, is, especially if you said your mom's never seen the extended cut, she's probably never seen the appendices. Once you watch those, you get a totally different understanding of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the movies, you're like, absolutely makes sense. Where something like, I'm going to bring it up till the day I die. <laughs> the Half-Blood Prince, when they have the stupid Weasley house scene in the middle, which should not have been there because you took out the Battle of Hogwarts at the end. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. But when you add something that makes sense for the story, I'm totally cool with that. We still see it today. Yes. I can't... I, and I love Half-Blood Prince for a lot of reasons, but I still have a hard time watching the it. The cinematography
1: and music in that movie are actually
0: shockingly good
1: shockingly good but yeah i agree that that was one of those things that the studio was like we got to plan ahead and i'm like so you shot off three toes to plan ahead
0: yeah i don't understand what you're doing this is the first example of the extended version of it being a thousand times worth it Mm -hmm. because watching this i cannot watch the theatrical version of this movie or the other ones cannot do it Mm -hmm. because the especially the scene with gladriel the extended scene where she's giving them the gifts and it's like, and she's talking with Aragorn in in, in Elvish, mm-hmm. and you're like, I need that scene, like yeah. I can't live without that scene. And
2: though. that scene is so much more heartfelt when you remember Galadriel would be his grandmother-in-law. Yes, and people totally forget about that. <laughs> that yeah.
1: was that was one of the things that I joked about when we were watching. Oh yeah, uh, The Hobbit mm-hmm. was there's the the fight mm-hmm. where they they with take on the Necromancer. And and Elrond comes as backup for Galadriel. And I was just like, don't worry, Mom, I am here. Little things are left out. Little
0: yeah. yeah, little things are left, little left things out. Little things are left out. But yeah, so I, I really don't have anything else of fellowship. Um, this is a solid... I'm not gonna I'm it's not gonna be any spoilers. Every one of these movies is a yeah. ten for me, so yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be a ten. Oh yeah. They're, they're it's all just a ten. It's all this 10. is this
1: is that yeah. that perfect thirty. It's a perfect thirty. It absolutely is. It's three films, they're all tens. Yeah.
2: Oh and the music. Even, We're talking about the music the for the music hot set. Yeah. Howard Shore's use of light motifs mm-hmm. is so good and it's so it's it's so special for this series because he really like digs yeah. into them like all through them. But before. especially with
0: like the bell rock. And the scenes where they're in down in there. It's just...
2: Yeah. Everything
0: about those scenes. And I remember this is the number that, one thing. That
2: fanfare for the Fellowship is yes. just, yeah, yeah let's yeah. go.
0: Like, that is such a... Everything that takes place in the mines is so phenomenal. It's so yeah. good. It's so good. It's so good. The effects, the, the storytelling, the light humor they have in it. And it's just perfection. That
1: was like, because, ironically... <laughs> For, for anybody who doesn't know, I'm actually several years older than Kelly. and This is
0: truly a nerd pod generation. So yes. <laughs> so,
1: uh, so, oh, yeah. So, but in spite of the fact that I think I was 14 when I saw the original Fellowship, <laughs> I had a very similar reaction to the one that you had when you were seven, um, which was that the, the ring ringwraiths were way too scary. And so I, I watched all the Shire scenes through my fingers and then once the we got... fucking screaming. Yeah. And then once we got to the arcs, I was like, ooh, action movie. So, like, Moria was just like, oh, man, I love a good action set piece. This is awesome, man. Yeah, I was 25 when I saw these
0: movies. I <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I saw the first one. I was 25 or something. I just want to throw that out there. Okay, so let's move on to Two Towers. Yeah, okay. Okay. I have to point out my favorite film flaw in the history of cinema mm-hmm. is in the beginning of Two Towers. Do you oh. know what I'm talking about?
1: Uh, is this like a film mistake or is Big this a Big film ball? mistake. Okay. Film mistake. So this is a Starbucks cup
0: in the yes.
1: Game of Thrones table. If
0: you remember the scene where Mary and Pippin, they've they've been abducted by the orcs. And the orcs are, it's when the Riders of Rohan come in to kill the orcs. Mm-hmm. And Mary and Pippin are trying to sneak yeah. away.
3: Yeah. There's
0: a part and their arms are bound. They're just sneaking away. And then Pippin rolls over as a, ho- a horse is about to, sp- and he's like, ah! With his arms spread wide, and then the next scene they're together again, and I I'll never, never forget this. that. Go watch it again, because uh, it it stands out so much. So what, the first time I noticed it, I cannot not notice it yeah. now because oh, it is no, so blatant. Because right. his arms are like super wide, and then the next scene they're bound again. Yeah, and I was like, "Holy cow!" how Like I understand that they had to go through so much film with continuity and whatnot. Oh my god. But this was such a glaring thing. Can you
1: imagine being the continuity director oh
0: no. for Lord of the Rings?
1: Yeah. Oh, my lord. Well,
0: especially the, and I know we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit. In the appendices, they talk about the scene on when they're climbing up to She Loves Lair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How they filmed the first part of that scene as like one of the first things they ever filmed, and then they finished it like a year and a half later.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's like, that's the one scene taking place over, like, three years. Yeah. If
2: I recall, it's because the set that they had it built on flooded?
0: Well, no, it was I a flo- it was raining outside, and they could only film indoors. And they right. rented out a gymnasium, or it was it was some part of a hotel, yes. and they built the set and that. Yes. And then they had to do it, like, a year and a half later because the sun came on. They're like, well, let's go start doing fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. But it, like, just so like you're saying continuity, they had things like that that were filmed
1: three years apart. Yeah. Like you hear stories. I remember when we were watching the appendices, hearing stories about how the writers would literally have like changes right the up until the last of. minute. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And just like, they were working on it all night to get it ready. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, meanwhile... That's all, so uh, stressful.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know, the thing that I, I, I take most from this movie is it was... A buddy movie, not, but oh, yeah. well, it's like a travel movie with yeah. with, with and Gimli. Uh, it was Gimli a bunch and... of different travel movies. Yes, yeah. yeah. and I love that about it. Yeah, you know, of course we'll get into the whole Gollum part of it, but like it really was the interaction. Like this is the first real meaty interactions between the groups. Yeah, because they they kind of interact a little bit in the first movie, but then they get splintered, and then this shows them really bonding as groups. You know,
1: yeah. what I'm realizing is that. There's a, there's a weird change in my mind that happens between Fellowship and Two Towers. Okay. And it might just be that I, I think I've seen Two Towers more than I've seen Fellowship.
0: Really? That's
1: just like, I, that always ends up being the one that gets put on, is Two Towers. Because it's not, you know, Return mm-hmm. of the King where there's all this ending, and it's not Fellowship where there's all this beginning. Mm-hmm. It's like right in the middle. So like, whereas Fellowship, you, you have all those scenes that you want to see mm-hmm. every time. Two tower still has that but i think it's still like it works as an action movie on its own
2: yeah oh it well. absolutely you know is. what else it is is fellowship you have so much time like establishing these characters and establishing the plot and like why we're doing yeah. everything return of the king there's so much of it that's literally just you know the thousand endings of return of the king yeah where like you know there's a scene and it's like oh yay the movie's over and then there's another scene Whereas Two Towers is such a nice, it's a nice little middle piece of pizza, you know? There's no crust on it.
1: It's just all the good stuff that you love. It also does that thing that I love. Where it's just like you get Halo dropped into the story. Mm-hmm. Oh you, yeah! You, like there's no lead up. You don't have to meet anybody or be introduced yeah. to anybody. If like. you, you know, didn't see the first one, out. you have no yeah. idea. Fuck's get help
2: especially since it opens up with him falling and doesn't yeah. yeah,
0: and you know, and I'll take your your pizza analogy and the <laughs>. the perfect little piece of pepperoni on top is Carl Urban as Aramir. Oh I my god! I love Carl Urban. I love him to death, and and him as Aramir is.
2: Him as Aomir and Miranda Otto as Awen. They're such yes. great siblings, and both of them are so good in both of those roles.
0: Mm-hmm. and what once again, we're going to talk about the extended versions. What makes them so much better is you have the interaction between her and Aragon, where he mentions that he's eighty seven years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not in the theatrical condom. Most people are probably like, I didn't know he was that old. Yeah. It's like, yeah, dude is old, man. Yeah, they he's, age old. Differently.
2: he's been around. He's been around for a little
0: bit, but I love her reaction, too. Like, 87. <laughs> yeah. like, Holy like, shit. God, damn. I'm not a senior citizen from over here. Oh, uh, so, so good. But yeah, Carl Urban, I'm sorry. I love Urban so much. Carl
1: wonderful. I absolutely I love her. I really love everything about the Rohan
0: society. Yes.
1: All of it's so done so well because, like, you hear Vikings, but with horses. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you see it and you're like,
0: damn, this yeah, is very really so.
1: cool, man. This is fucking really cool shit here, yeah. dude.
2: And especially as we talk about the beautiful marriage of practical and digital. That was like an actual like set on a hill. Oh, yeah. Which is so insane to think. like They had to build an entire village. Yeah. Like, dang.
0: And like the they, they said in the appendices, the part where the flag rips off. When when um, Gimli and Legolas and Gandalf oh, and variety and, and it like flies down past Aragon, that wasn't planned. That just happened. Yeah. And they were like, okay, yeah. it's like that was meant to be. This movie was meant to be because yeah. that scene is perfect. Yeah. This is what happens when you have full
1: sets oh. where the actors can walk around and yeah. For me, it's like thinking about being at the Ren Fair versus being at the Ren Fair. Yeah. I can pretend in my mind that I'm at the. But Ren it makes Faire, me but...
0: sad to know that, I, and I understand for for environmental reasons. They had to tear it down but I'm like oh, couldn't you have made that sustainable oh, product mm-hmm. just have that where like turn it into a hotel or yeah. something I a B&B. you know you could sell that for three five you know five six thousand thousand dollars a night to stay there you people could would do,
1: do it you could do the Lord of the Rings bar crawl
0: mead crawl where like mead you go crawl. to all these
1: different locations <laughs> mm-hmm. from lord of the rings across the island over the course of like six days or something
0: see and you bring up the renaissance festival made me think how long it's been since i've had mead and i miss mead I we got
1: mead. some in the fridge if you want some mead we might
0: have to have some mead
1: once yeah. We sit down. yeah
0: um all right so i'm going to talk about a personal thing for me that makes me unhappy um with the academy awards
2: okay oh
0: andy circus should have gotten an oscar for this i'm mm. sorry Especially the scene where, where um, you have Gollum and Smeagol having the, the back and forth. That is some of the best acting you'll ever see in your life.
1: And it doesn't come off as hokey. There's, no. There's It moments, never comes off as hokey. Yeah. Even in Unexpected Journey, the moment where Bilbo catches him talking to himself. Uh-huh. And he just looks over his shoulder and says, we weren't talking to you. And I've I've always been like, Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. We don't need this. But like here, there's none of that kind of stuff. Yeah, oh, it's like...
2: And he was cast very late in the game. Did yeah. you know this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The part in The Minds of Moria, where mm-hmm. he like shows up for a split second when they're like trying to figure Come out which up direction the ladder. to go. That mocap is actually done by Dominic Monaghan. No, okay. I didn't know
0: it was Dominic Monaghan that did Yeah. Oh, no kidding. I'm
2: fairly certain. Yeah. I believe you. No, I'm 90% sure. It. But yeah. then
0: think about the impact this movie had on motion capture. Yeah. I mean, this revolution It invented a thousand percent and created a way of filmmaking that unfortunately is not used as much as it should be, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But Um,
2: also, for the record, when they did mocap for Gollum and this, it wasn't a very efficient system yet.
0: No, not at all. Because they
2: had to do a pass with him in the mocap suit. Mm -hmm. They would have to do a pass without him at all. Mm -hmm. And then I think they would do a third pass where he might not have necessarily... Had the dots on him like recording. He was just the in movie. that white suit showed him yeah. yeah, but so no, it's it was more of like a reference for the animators instead of actually motion capture.
0: Yeah, um, and it's it's the serendipitous things like the, having Viggo Mortensen take over and and having just on a whim casting Andy Circus to yeah. do this voice and say, hey, can you just do some? Mo-? And then it turning into what I mean, just the
2: Andy Circus's career now.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: Like. <laughs> Can you imagine all the things we wouldn't have if he didn't have well, that the, role?
0: the Planet of the Apes movies are fantastic. I was yeah. They're, yeah. Stuff, they're
1: incredible. He's gotten to the point now where he's had a full arc to his career where he started out as a nobody and then he was the mocap guy. Where like that was all he did was mocap stuff. So he was King Kong. He had a very small speaking role in that movie too, but mm. he was mostly King Kong and then he was Caesar. And now he's an accomplished director mm. yeah. who's making Venom 2. Wait, damn it. Shit. He was. Hey,
0: everyone has a little blemish.
2: He was also the second unit director for a lot of... The for, for For The Hobbit. The Hobbit and I think John. also for some parts of Return of the King I think as so well. Oh, yeah. Because
0: yeah. Peter Jackson trusted him so much. It, yeah. What you, just unbelievable. But yeah, if you go back and watch those acting... I mean, when he first calls him Smeagol, and he mm-hmm. said, what did you call him? Like, just the tone of his voice, oh, and the way he... I mean, it was brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And the fact that... He's not gotten any kind of honorary award for any of this stuff. It's like, dude.
2: He got uh, an MTV award.
0: Well, yeah, I remember that, acceptance that. speech? Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I completely forgot That's about so that. So great. So did Clint Howard, though. So I mean, as much as I love him, I can.
1: What did Clint Howard get? A- he got
0: a lifetime. He got the very no. He got a lifetime achievement award in his. Speech was so endearing that they said, "We don't know if we can give this to anybody else." He actually appreciated it, like really loved it. This was from MTV. From MTV Movie Awards, they had like a lifetime achievement, and he got it.
1: <laughs> you know what? Good for him. Hey, for good you. Hey, he's been
0: in every one of his brother's movies. All right. Um, all right. So getting back to to um, two, two towers. towers. So I, you know, m- most people that see this movie. They remember the Battle of Helm's Deep, which mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is yeah, absolutely yeah. amazing. And the fact that they married the digital and the practical effects so well in that battle. Yeah. Was it 10,000 orcs that were there? Something That's like that. And unbelievable. It's
1: like the, they, going to that idea, they had that thing. Yeah. That you have in old Hollywood where you have, and this is something that I love about Mad Max Fury Road, too. You've got one shot. Yeah. <laughs> Don't miss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to blow up this miniature don't
2: miss Miss it
0: (laughs) and i i know a lot of purists hate the fact that the elves showed up yeah but i love that scene when he shows up and they're so and and them battling and watching the the movement and the fluidity of the elves you're like i love that yeah i know it's not in there but i still love it it's okay
1: well we'll we'll over now do you
0: now was the last time you saw the theatrical versions Oh, I think the theater. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> now,
0: do you remember? Because I I seem to recollect this. I love the part at the end when the orcs are retreating and the trees show up and start killing them. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was in the theatrical version. I don't
2: think there it was were either. there were at least shots that weren't in the theatrical. Yeah,
0: like it wasn't as long as it was because you yeah you see tree birds send them and so you're like okay he sent the trees but then you don't really see the payoff but you see it in the, in the extended which yeah. is awesome yeah
2: there's not as much of that whole sequence where they're you know, yeah.
1: wrecking shit up. Yeah, okay. this is also, and we're gonna get into this, especially with Return of the King. As we go through these movies, more and more of the extended cut becomes incredibly necessary. Oh so, so necessary. necessary. Absolutely. And, and these are things that just get left out of the theatrical cut, and it's just like, man, to I can't imagine being in a, a room where it's like, okay, for this theatrical cut, we're gonna we're we're already at three and a half hours. We gotta. We're gonna cut Saruman from the entire. Thing. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do. I
0: get. I can't help it, man. We gotta get under the time limit. And that too, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Especially how awesome his death scene is. Oh, um, yeah. So I don't really have anything like in going back and thinking about these movies. I don't have any negatives.
1: No, I really about don't. About this movie specifically. Like even things that in other movies that we've talked about. Recently, Yeah. Including The Hobbit that we found grating. Like, Wormtongue here is an entirely different character than the Wormtongue we get in Lake Town.
2: Yeah. And oh, Wormtongue and it's Brad it. oh, Dourif. Yes. Yeah. Durf is the most...
1: He's
0: awesome. He,
2: he's so good at being, like, slimy and conniving. I mean, he's Chucky, for guys'
3: actually.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, he's also in a really great episode of Voyager, which I highly recommend.
0: I don't remember that. I haven't spent yeah. so long since I've watched Voyager.
2: But it's so crazy to, like, you know... He looks so different with the makeup and everything. Mm -hmm. His daughter's also been in some stuff His daughter, I
1: think, just took over in a Chucky show. Yeah.
0: But she's done some other roles, too. Well, I know this is... You love always bringing up Faramir's Law. Yeah. Well, this is the movie. This is
1: the movie that has Faramir's Law. Law. Yeah. This is Um, it. And this is... I, I always say this because it's so important to me. The fact that Peter Jackson and the writers openly apologize changing the story or at least admit to changing Mm -hmm. the story whereas you have something like miss marvel where it's like we're not changing the story we're changing everything about this we're not changing the story the the writers who are like no we changed the story yeah and you're either going to be okay with it or you're not but i mean
0: but without that part in it once again i go back to Gollum. there's that amazing part where he's kind of going back to gollum and he's rubbing his own back Mm -hmm. like it's he's getting pet and it's Mm -hmm. like dude that was so powerful for that character yeah Yeah. so that scene was important
2: i think it was really vital that they make gollum someone you empathize for yes Mm -hmm. it's so important for the whole series exactly well and like because it really it really drives frodo's fear yeah He's like, oh shit, like, I gotta be careful. I mean, it drives
0: him to the point that he actually verbalizes what you just said. He says, I have to believe that I can go back. Yeah. Yeah. If we did actually take out that whole section Mm.
1: of Faramir taking them to Asgiliath Mm. and we actually had them go into Shelop's lair, at the same time as Helm's Deep is going on, because that's about the timeline mm-hmm. that you would end up having. I mean, like, I guess you would get the benefit of ending Two Towers with Frodo dying, which would be like a, a nice cliffhanger similar to the book. Yeah. But then, like, what are you going to do at the beginning of the other one? How much time are we going to have mm-hmm. of Frodo and Sam dicking around in Mordor? And that's yeah. the thing is they
0: would have cut down the scene of them climbing. Yeah. Yeah up to she loves lair and that scene is fantastic i do i yeah. would, wouldn't want any of that cut yeah and it was also huge for character development between frodo and sam and, and Gollum. it's yeah. like that build up and not having any of that i think would have been a massive mistake yeah
2: yeah so in the rankin and bass return of mm-hmm. the king they do start off with that part where like sam is you know just now on his own without frodo because frodo's gone um mm-hmm. uh, and was taken away by the orcs, the orcs and gone and blah blah blah. And in the Rankin and Bass version, there's a solid like 20, 30 minutes where it's like Sam wandering around by himself, like talking to himself. And that's
1: what happens and in it, the book. So like that's yeah. what you would have ended up doing. And yeah. like
2: it works for the books, it works in that animated version because of, you know, the way timing mm. for that style of animation worked. But I don't know if it would have worked for a live action. Yeah, I think it would have been to too... see
0: Rudy walking around just chatting over. Something.
1: See, I would watch Sean Astin kind of trying to talk himself only if his. he was
0: Bob from Stranger Things then I would watch
1: only Bob knew. only Bob Newby, no, only Bob Newby. You can walk around <laughs> talk to himself cause like you know in theory this could be interesting in the hands of a really good director who True. like makes it interesting and like develops the character really highly and then mm-hmm. you would still have to deal with the the fallout of Frodo's not dead although no cause in the books I don't think Sam knows that Frodo's not dead he finds Frodo's body and he's like oh my god Frodo's not dead Yeah. And but it's interesting to think if they had not gone to Askelia, mm. how these movies would have shaken out in terms of... Because Return of the King would have had a completely different The story would oh, have been line. so yeah. different. Yeah, the pace on it would have been yeah. entirely different. And, you know, like, what do you come up with for Frodo and Sam to do in Mordor mm-hmm. besides avoid orcs? Mm. And you can only do that so long.
2: Yeah. Or when they're forced to dress as orcs.
1: Yeah. yeah. Which we still get all of these things
0: in Return of the King. So let us roll into Return of the King. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: I love that they put... Saruman's death Oh. in the beginning yes. you know
2: what's so funny about that and I'm so sorry for breaking your tangent no you um, might you might
0: be piggybacking off the tangent
2: probably when, when they were filming that scene like local reporters who like mm-hmm. saw them like filming and stuff they at first thought it was Gandalf and there was like this whole freak out oh, of really? like oh my god did they kill Gandalf and it's like no it's Saruman yeah
0: no, the story I was going to say is is that one about Christopher Lee, who was in World War II and killed a lot of people hand to hand combat. Said that's not the sound you make if you get stabbed in the back. Yeah. And everyone was like, "Whatever you say, dude. You tell us how it goes." This
1: was the thing about Christopher Lee was not only does he have the background experience as a human being on yeah. this planet, he knows just as much about these fucking books as anybody else. And that's else, the thing; like,
0: he is the f- next to Stephen Colbert. He's yeah. one of the most. Well, rest in peace. Yeah, was one of the foremost experts on these books.
1: I just remember watching the appendices and him going to lengths to explain why so many there were so many issues with the pronunciation of certain names. He was like. It's not Gandalf, it's Gandalf. And uh-huh. Like going through and like saying, "No, it, you really have to say it this way." It's this is the right way. And
2: we really have to be thankful for people like Christopher Lee and even Ian McKellen, who also would bring books to set with them mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and be like, "Hey, we should do it this way." There's, we really got to show them some love and appreciation. And I believe for... they said
0: Christopher Lee was the only one that met Tolkien. Yep, mm-hmm. he's the only one. Though. Yeah, it's um, still amazing.
2: But he, like even Ian McKellen, jumping back to Fellowship really quickly. Ian McKellen was the one that insisted that Sam grabs his hand, yep. which is like a very small moment. But he was like, this is the shit that fans are going to want to see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's in the book.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and they definitely needed some, because Peter Jackson did an amazing job and he loves those books as much mm-hmm. as a lot of us. But I feel like there were a lot of moments where even he got a little distracted with his own vision of well, this. Well, I can't
0: imagine how he has, how he didn't die in the making of these movies. Oh yeah, I mean, eighteen months of going through all of that. I mean, just, I just
2: destroying the his organization body.
0: of it. Is, yeah, I can't even. I can't even imagine.
2: Because we were rewatching some of the appendices, they had like really early Zoom calls hmm. because Peter would be, you know, either in New Zealand or in London with hmm. the score. He would have to go back and forth. And then he'd have to have Zoom calls with whatever people he couldn't see in person. Mm. And look Mm. at us now, 20 years later,
3: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: (laughs) using Zoom calls for everything.
1: Wasn't there one where it's like Howard Shore on one end and they're talking about the score? Yeah. And he's like literally editing another scene while they're talking about the score. And it's just just like, like, man.
0: Dude was nonstop. Yeah. And the editors on these movies, Mm -hmm. they deserve hopefully they made a ton of money because yeah. i can't imagine editing hundreds of hours of film Can you imagine oh thousands of hours probably like multiple
1: these. takes of everything and just oh my lord
0: and all three movies are being filmed simultaneously so mm-hmm. the scenes are all over the place yeah. for what you're getting i can't and it was
1: remember. filmed on film yes good oh my kodak. god good old kodak could you imagine if they did it the way that burger Always wanted us to do things in-camera edits. Oh, God. For the whole thing. Don't <laughs> even bring that up because I won't be yes. able to
0: sleep tonight. I still have nightmares over that garbage. Oh man. Um, oh, man. But yeah, this was a great tie-in. Like, tying everything up in a nice boat. Mm-hmm. This yeah. It was perfect. The only negative I have for this movie is I wanted to see this so bad. Mm-hmm. I had worked a 12-hour shift, and I saw it opening night, midnight showing. And it was the longest of the three theatrically. Oh, yes. Yeah. So by the time it was done, I remember... I can't even remember. I was dating some girl at the time and I had my head in her lap. And I'm just looking at the screen. And I'm like, I don't want to stop watching the credits because they showed the awesome, like the pictures yeah. of all the, the artwork at the end. I'm like, I can't even th- lift my head up. I'm so tired. <laughs> Why did I go to the midnight viewing? It was a horrible idea. Oh, man. I think
2: we went to see it several times the first month it opened. Mm. We went a few times. It was so beautiful because every single time... I have ever seen Return of the King in theaters. Everyone gives Sam a standing ovation when he picks Frodo up.
1: Yes. I can't carry it. it. Yeah. I I can carry you. Every
2: single time I've seen it in the theater. At least, like, applause, Mm -hmm. if not standing o. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, oh, you don't get a lot of moments
1: like Mm -hmm. that in movies. Yeah. I I remember the one time I saw it in theaters, because... I, Boo. again, had a, a, the the car that was taking me to the theater and paying for the ticket, the the lovely individual who was going to make all this happen, not an enormous fan of these movies. That's so, true. so it's like, it would be like yeah, my true. family getting tickets to a Yankees playoff game. It's just like, it's not going to happen. Oh, gonna this is them. not, this is not a thing we're going to do. Yeah. But I just remember the scene with Legolas on the Oliphant and he slides off the end. And that was the scene that got a standing ovation. From the audience in our And theater. I remember the
0: standing ovation, unfortunately, drowned out Gimli. That only counts as one. Yeah. And it's like, that's a great line.
1: Stop clapping. I want to yeah. hear it. It
0: wasn't that impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Which the humor, I love in this movie and it, we we skipped over it the very beginning with Mary and Pippin high kites. Oh. Yes. When they show up is
2: awesome. And it's so it's so great because they they filmed several versions of that. Some where they were more drunk, some where they were love, just yes, high, some where they were like both and they were just spouting nonsense. It's like that's the kind of stuff where I hope I hope somebody somewhere saved some of that footage. Uh-huh. So that we have that one day of all these different takes. Of well, this. Isn't it
0: In the appendices, I want to say I've seen oh, probably. somewhere where they have that. They show, and I think it was Dominic Moynihan talking about how each one was a different stage of being high. Yeah, <laughs> Like a relaxed high or a hyper high or a giggly high. And then they nailed it on all of them. It's, it's like, so I don't know how of- I could have picked.
1: Yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, which one to use? Because oh, they were all
0: just comedic gold.
1: I will say, this is literally my only note about the humor. Because the humor never oversteps, mm. I think. The only time it gets close is with Gimli. I think in Two Towers and Return of the King, they try too hard to make Gimli funny. Yeah.
2: You know, the biggest one for me is the extended version. When they go to like confront the ghost king guy and be like, Hey, you have this oath. You have to help us out. That whole scene where they're, like, going into the mountain, it, it was a little heavy-handed with, this, with the humor from Gimli. Because yeah. there's, like, this long shot of him, like, his, like, facial reaction as he's stepping on skulls. Yeah. And you can hear it cracking under his feet. Yeah. It just goes a, it goes on for a little the, too long. The
1: ghost hands that come up and he starts blowing yeah. them away. I'm
0: just like, this is... Yeah, you think toolbar. it's funny?
1: It's not funny. I'm yeah. going to tell you
0: right now. Which, I'm wondering if they added all that humor because it is the darkest of um, the three maybe. movies. Like, it was a dark It's a very movie. dark yeah. movie. Yeah. But, and that like,
1: scene especially. Oh yeah. Like, Absolutely. There, there are some moments of
0: Gimli humor that I
1: like. Uh-huh. Like the Don't Tell the Elf. Thing. Oh yeah, Don't uh, Tell the Elf. And I, I do like the statement that he makes at the very beginning of Two Towers where he's like, been running for three days straight. No food. About being no water. <laughs> We're natural sprinters. Yeah. Short distances. Yeah. But, <laughs> it's very like, dangerous. It's, it's moments like when he's talking to some of the people from rohan yes. about dwarf women and how dwarf women have beards and it's just like it goes on just a little too long it's, yeah it's just not quite funny enough and the character's not quite the right vessel for this mm-hmm. and then he falls off yeah
0: okay but see i do like the drunk emily scenes yeah drunk emily, scene the drunk emily great. scenes are great fun We're fact doing about the drinking contest
2: fun fact about that scene the composer howard shore has a cameo in that scene oh he does yeah
0: nice i didn't know that
2: yeah he was well they
0: do it, wait that's is that Two Towers? Is that That's Return. That's, the big, that's Return of the That's the King. beginning
2: of because it's right after Helm's Deep, after the whole stuff with Saruman. After they the go battle. back and they gotcha. have like the the big party. The big
0: party. Because I know that the boat at the end, the pirates that show up, majority of them are the crew members, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like Peter Jackson and like the director, photographer. That. I didn't know about. Oh yeah, her, I'm gonna have to go back and look for that. Yeah, I, didn't really I think, think he's
1: one of the Rohan men. It's like he's like standing in the a line of Rohan men with a big mug
0: of beer. Yeah,
2: he's mm. standing in the in the area where they're doing the drinking scene. Tallish him. guy, wavy gray hair. Yeah,
0: because I love his music in yeah. these movies. They're just
2: he was like running out of creative juice, and mm. Peter Jackson was like, "Why don't you just come down and be in a scene and like see what we're doing down here?" Mm.
1: Get a feel for it firsthand. Yeah.
2: And and that was the thing that like really helped yeah. him out. The Corsair ship with, all the, with Andrew Lesney and yeah. Peter Jackson. It, oh, it's
0: beautiful. And one thing I, I didn't bring up, because I believe this is from, is it Two Towers? The Annie Lennox song, Into the West? No, nope, that's the third one. That is from Return of the King? Yep. Howard Shore's music so good that it overshadows how great that song is. Oh, Into the West is a hauntingly beautiful song. It's so gorgeous. Unbelievably beautiful. And every time I hear it, I'm just like, it reminds me a little of Enya, mm-hmm. but it's not a bad thing because I love Enya. Yeah.
2: And Enya does the Fellowship of the Ring song. Fellowship of
0: the Ring, that's right. But Annie Lennox is just, yeah. I love, I've always loved her from the rhythmic days. And just when I heard that song between her and Billy Boyd. Just...
1: Yeah. Oh. Oh my God. That, that scene where he sings to Denethor. That's amazing. That's so good. That is like one of the things, just really quick hopping back to The Hobbit from last week. Uh-huh. That is one of the things that I definitely noticed was like... Unexpected Journey. Pretty good c- credit song. It fits everything. Destination Smaug. Credit song by Ed Sheeran. <laughs>
0: yeah. Battle of Five Armies. Credit song by Billy Boyd. Ah, we found our way back on and track. <laughs> not only was a credit song, it still makes me cry to this oh, day. Oh, so Because good. it makes you think of all the yeah. six movies. Yeah. yeah. That's such a beautiful... I've, I've actually watched the, the video on YouTube a million times. I love that song. Yeah. His yeah. voice is just uh, so haunting. That's I just know. like
1: everything about that scene with Denethor... That again is just great filmmaking between the the shots going back and forth and the shots of Denethor eating and just
0: like. And even people make fun of the way he ate the tomato, Mm -hmm. but it made it look like gore almost. Yeah. Yeah. With what's going on. And that was amazing. Like, that was perfect. No, that's one of those moments that you capture on film and you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad I got that. And then with Gandalf riding out. And just lighting the. Oh that, my God. That, that, is... that
2: shot with the light going toward the ring, rights, Which is like a yeah. straight up recreation of a painting. Yeah. You know?
1: what is it's so good. What is interesting is that one of the hard, the, the Lord of the Rings heavies, Gregory, he actually struggles watching Return of the King because the Witch King snaps Gandalf's staff. That's right. That's his, this far, no further. That's not a thing. Don't even try and make it a thing. <laughs> and I don't know. There's I'm I'm living in kind of blissful ignorance because mm. like I read those books when I was like 14, mm. haven't really returned to them since, yeah. and been meaning to listen to them on audiobook.
0: Which like, I have the I have the Hobbit and the Fellowship. Um, Andy Serkis he's done an audiobook version wow. of all of yeah. them, and it is. Best audiobook ever listened to. Yeah. Like easily listening to, because he goes into the voices and does the characters and all, and is very, of course he does the Gallon, which is amazing. Oh but I highly recommend getting those audiobooks because yeah. they're just spectacular. Bless yeah. that
1: man, and and hopefully his next project will be good. I yeah. don't want to make it sound like I don't believe in Andy in Circus because like. Fucking Mowgli. If you haven't seen Mowgli. It's a phenomenal movie. amazing. So
0: fucking good. Yeah, phenomenal movie. And it
2: was so funny because it came out just around the same time as the Disney live action.
0: Yeah. Which was awful.
2: Which was awful. And then you have Mowgli, which was like really solid.
0: And that ended up having to go to Netflix because it was too dark to be released in theaters, right? Yep. And I do appreciate the fact that he decided not to alter it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said, "Well, I'll just go to Netflix." Now.
1: Yeah, and who else was in that? Mr. Benedict Cumberbatch. That's that's right. He is. Yeah. yeah, I definitely want to look for this as an audio book. Okay, now I'm I got excited. To get back into it.
0: I just looked up Andy Serkis. Remember, I mentioned how Idris Elba is like you know, if I ever swung that way, he'd be number one on my yes. list. Love Idris Elba. Love his show Luther. Mm-hmm. And they're making a movie Luther and Andy Serkis is like the number two name on it behind Idris Elba. Hell nice. yeah. So I'm like, he's either the bad guy or he's like the chief or something. I cannot wait now. Because
1: I mean, they've been I feel like they've been making a movie for Luther for well, a Well they've long. talked about it for a long time. Yeah.
0: And then I think COVID screwed it up. Oh okay. but now That's they're with so backing. many good things. As yeah, so
1: with things. so many things. Is but, that what we can blame Black Widow on? Is that why Black Widow was bad? I bit? think
0: there's a lot of things you could blame Black Widow on, but yeah. I thought
1: they finished it before. They did but okay. i just want to blame anything mostly i just want to badmouth <laughs> black widow i know we're, not so going to, really we're talking about good things today we're talking about good movies okay we're not talking about the x-men origins of the mcu no which no. it absolutely is
0: so once again this movie i think more than all of them have more tearjerker scenes oh yeah because oh, i know yeah. most people point to the scene at the end where aragon says you bowed in no one yeah. and they bow to the hobbits oh my yeah and then I still get goosebumps and just that's thinking about this before you have
1: Gandalf being like peace I'm going to the Grey Havens and then Frodo's like peace yeah. I'm going to the Grey Havens
0: <laughs> and I do agree with there's a, a great story Elijah Wood that Graham Norton he was talking about he was standing backstage with Jack Nicholson in an award show and Jack Nicholson said, "What happened? I left that movie because it had so many endings, <laughs> and it's true. It has like
1: five endings yeah. to that movie. The problem is that they fade in and out of each of them. They yes, did. And yeah. So it feels like an actual ending, and then it fades back in. And it's, it, 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 yeah, pick an ending. Yeah, and like,
2: and it starts just when they're like on the rock waiting to be saved by the Eagles. That's when the first one is. Yeah, and there's so many more scenes there's after so that. Many more.
1: So many. Like, there's a moment where you're like." Oh, Frodo and Sam dying. That's the way this movie ends. Yeah. Cut to black and, you yeah. know, we'll just figure out the rest. Yeah, so it's cut to sequence. black and then it's
2: the eagles. 17 cut to black. more They endings. wake up. Cut to black. Coronation. Cut, to, cut black. to black. They're going back to the Shire. Cut, cut to black. The
0: Grey Havens. Cut to black. Sam, Sam going home. Going home. <laughs> 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 home. Getting the book. or, or, or Actually cut, cut to look. black. We're actually done now. Which scene where they're saying goodbye to Frodo. Well, first off, before I get into that. If you go back and watch that scene and you see Ian Holmes' Bilbo makeup, yes. it almost looks like he belongs in Gringotts Bank. <laughs> like, it's like, dude, he looks like he's one of the goblins from yeah, Harry Potter. Yeah. But they made that scene old. where they made them do the crying scene like 20 times. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine doing that dramatic scene. Didn't they say like some of them had to go home afterwards? Like they couldn't emotionally deal or something? I wouldn't doubt it. I can't even imagine doing that scene multiple times.
1: And yet, after all of this, there's still the argument to be made that there's not enough endings in this movie. (laughs) Because in the book, Saruman takes over the Shire. Oh, the scouring, yeah. And that's like a whole thing that's just absolutely cut. I remember that was one of those things that my mom was holding out hope for as the movie was ending, was like, maybe when they go back to the Shire, there will be something. Mm-hmm. No, the Shire's 100% intact, not touched by sin of evil or of any kind. And mm-hmm. It's just like, but I remember that part of the book, like, actually really scared me. Yeah. So I'm not, like, super upset about it. Well, they've it.
0: said that they put that in that flash, that um, vision that yeah. Frodo has yeah. with Elandria. Yeah. So it's like, he goes, "Eh, it just didn't really fit with what we're doing, so we put it, we wanted to put it in there. We made an allusion to it. An allusion to it, It
2: would have been so heartbreaking if they had done that. Yeah, after all those emotional endings, you kind of... After all that anguish they go through, like, and this is one of those things where that's a choice that they made when making this into a film. It's like, it just would not have worked as well.
0: Because, Because. The, it would
1: have bombed with test audiences. Oh yeah. Yeah. It would
0: never have have been the success it was. If for
1: nothing plus. else, it would have tacked another fifteen minutes onto the ending At while least. we sorted out yes. this
0: problem.
2: At least. And, and
0: and I'm pointing it myself for this for those of you who are listening and cannot see, which is pretty much everybody but you two. Yeah. For people who love the books. The important thing about these movies is it got us that never read them to read the books yes. yeah. and appreciate them. Mm-hmm. You know how many more millions of people read these books because of these movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so anyone that loves the books should be grateful for that yeah. because of the fact that I probably never would have read these books if it wasn't for these movies. And I can I, honestly say that's why I'm currently reading The Witcher books. yeah. Because the same thing. I love that show so much and I love the video game, but... They're all based on this amazing source material that I've never read. Yeah. So I want, I've, and yeah. it is incredible. It's great. Yeah. And I'm grateful once again. Well, Henry Cavill because I just love him. But I'm oh, grateful yeah. for Henry Cavill because now I'm reading the books because the the yeah. show got me so well. Yeah. So.
2: and and I think that's something we can say about both Witcher and Lord of the Rings. This was made by people who just fucking love the source material. Oh yeah. Material. This is oh. one of those. You can tell they put
1: their heart and soul into all of yeah. that. This is one of those movies that makes me want to go to Marvel or Disney or whoever. And you can throw Mandalorian in on this list. There's mm-hmm. a there's a few other projects like this. Where, like, if you're going to sink a ton of money into a project, please, for the love of God, and specifically a project that's based on something that has a long history of canon and fandom, please, for the love of God, find someone who loves this work. Yeah. Because... It's going to be so important.
2: And I think. I think that's part of why I know you guys have you know talked about the Halo series yeah. at length and how much you're just not enjoying it. That was the problem with that series. The people creating that series were like intentionally trying not to look at too much source yeah. material, so they yeah. could do their own thing, quote unquote. It's like no. The, that's the worst way to go about this. That's not what this is
1: about. This isn't about you. Yeah. This is about the story. We didn't hire you so you could give us your interpretation of this. Mm-hmm. We hired you because we thought you were going to be able to do the best version of the story.
2: Yeah. Because if if you want people to go see your shit, you need good word of mouth. Yeah. The best way to get good word of mouth is to hype up the people that already love this thing. I agree. Because if they love it, they're going to tell it everybody they know and love Mm -hmm. hey this is a thing i love check it out
1: this has been the thing that bothers me about big studios that buy franchises Mm. and then just kind of pump out a movie and expect it to be popular Is it's like did you get the fans involved Mm. no well there's your problem or when
2: they buy something and they just let it die so like when disney bought blue sky Mm -hmm. and they just let it fold that was the worst decision they could have made with it yeah
1: i i fear that kind of thing's going to happen to Leica, where Leica is just going to disappear one day because Mm -hmm. you know warner brothers is going to buy them out just that they aren't competition anymore and they they take like the five best animators and they bring them into their studio and then everything else all the tools all the effects all the knowledge all that's gone
2: we're so lucky that didn't happen to pixar oh my god yeah because that very much could have happened. Yeah,
1: Disney could have just steamrolled Pixar. Yeah. and just like Disneyfied the whole thing. Yeah,
2: but thankfully, because Pixar was on the up and up with technology, Disney was like, "Shit, we need this. Yeah, we need this bad." So. Yeah.
0: But I look at these movies on a level of like I I had to look it up because I forgot the name of it. Uh, the 1902 movie, A Trip to the Moon, the one that famously shows yeah. the rocket ship crashing yeah, yeah. on the moon. That's still taught in film schools oh, yeah. from a technical level because of the early special effects and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think these movies a hundred years from now will be taught in film school, especially on a technical side, yeah. showing what you can do with miniatures and practical effects and all that, which has not like these. Like you said, these have been made; these were made twenty years ago. Their equal has not been made in 20 years. No one has come close to making it with the miniatures and the special effects and all that married so well.
2: When we look at film as an art form, these movies are fucking masterpieces. Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially, not just the special effects, but what you've been harping on, I 100% agree with you, the music. Yeah. The scores are just... I mean, they're they're They're, something that... They're
2: recognizable. The the full orchestra, you don't get that a lot anymore Mm -hmm. because... There's so many albums that, you know, even just for stylistic choices, a lot of it is probably synth, but even smaller movies that do use, like, orchestra stuff now, a lot of that is digital instruments. Howard Shore is also one of the few composers who writes the score, but also conducts the orchestra, and I thought that was a hugely important decision for these, because he's very dedicated to making sure the music would line up with those emotional Mm -hmm. beats,
0: yeah, No, it absolutely yeah. is. So these, these movies are, are brilliant. They and, are perfect. Anything else you both have to say on these?
1: I just like, I, I want to revisit this topic once I've seen it with my mom. Because we, we <laughs> will do this at some point. We're going to have Kelly and me sit down with my mom, and we're going to watch the extended editions. What a day that will be. It's just like, side note, uh, when we had breakfast today and I asked her questions about The Hobbit, I finally got to be on the other side of the table where you can just see the nerd brain mm-hmm. crumpling. Into to rage mm-hmm. and steam starting to shoot out the ears. And I was like, oh, this is why people find it so entertaining. Well, I
0: know at least the three of us are going to revisit this topic in four months? Something like that. No, less. No, three months. Yeah. So, Some when...
1: numbers right around the corner. Yeah. yeah. And I can't wait for that, man. Oh, man. I, I hope I'll it's good. I get worried because Amazon is very touch and go. So I'm holding out hope that it'll be good. But I'm, I'd be lying if I said I was. I'll tell
0: you why I, I have a little more faith. They rebounded on the boys i wasn't gonna watch it anymore oh you went back to it but i picked up the fourth episode and they toned down the violence and then made the violence more focused towards the story Mm -hmm. and it's gotten better
1: okay and
0: so it almost looks like they could see the mistake they made and they course corrected Mm -hmm. to get back more in line so i'm hoping and i'm praying that they they follow because they've made a lot of good series they made a lot of garbage that i haven't seen but like i love jack ryan Mm -hmm. um mazel mazel's been great mazel and jack ryan
1: are great i just like every time i see a chris pratt movie on amazon oh god don't even oh no this is gonna be bad bad. anything he
0: makes is on that is terrible but the
1: the thing that gives me hope is everyone
2: that i've heard from who has gotten like advanced access and gone to like screenings and stuff because they had a couple of like fan events but they also did screenings for like the actors who are in the Peter Jackson movies, everyone has given it like nothing but good things
0: to good. say. Which they put so, I mean, they put, they put over a billion dollars into this show. Yeah. So they needed to succeed.
2: They yeah. needed to do well. They needed. Oh, yeah. They
0: need to get a lot of subscribers, so they needed to do well. So yeah. I can imagine them not wanting to tick off the fans. Yeah. Because yeah. if they if this fails, like I know Halo didn't do great. Luckily, the Star Wars shows are doing really good, or, or Star Trek shows. Mm-hmm. So Paramount's going to be fine. But. Amazon, you know, like you said, they're hit and miss. Mm -hmm. They need a hit. They need a big hit. Like, this would be their Witcher. Mm -hmm. You know, this is their big.
1: They haven't really had that in a while. Miss Maisel was really, really
0: big. It was really big, big, but with a niche audience. That's the problem. They haven't had that big, mainstream, massive thing. Because even the boys, it's big with a very niche, like, ultra gore loving, Mm -hmm. nudity loving kind of fan base. a lot
2: of their. Because there was another show, which I'm blanking on the name of the the music one that was filmed at purchase
1: oh mozart in the jungle yeah Mm -hmm.
2: that one also very awesome show but very niche audience Mm -hmm. because it's mostly you know arts people that were watching that one yeah
1: honestly i i watched two and a half seasons of it and i got halfway through the last season i was just like i think i'm done no. I don't really need to see how this ends. I'm, I think I'm done. So this this is a this is a make or break investment. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Even Miss Maisel, we watched the beginning of season three and we haven't gone back. Yeah. To actually finish season three, let alone watch season four. Whereas Stranger Things, the moment a well, little inside baseball, we were gonna do this yesterday and we ended up putting it off. Yes. And the moment we put it off, me and Kelly were like, Oh, you know, I have been over too. We yeah. Know Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yes, we finished Stranger Things, which we're gonna talk about. Some things are
1: very important that we watch it sooner than later. Yes. Yes.
0: But yeah, no, and cautiously optimistic.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, this is their Game of Thrones, but not season seven or eight Game of Thrones, like season one through six, ideally.
0: So, which we always hope.
1: I, you know, I had the idea. Hmm. Do you think Game of Thrones would be the way that it was if Lord of the Rings wasn't as successful? Because no, I feel like like Lord of the Rings paved the way for fantasy in the 21st century. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because Game of Thrones looks like Lord yeah. of the Rings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah, no, they definitely, they yeah. paved the way for a lot of fantasy. Yeah. Mu-
2: much in the way that The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings books paved the way for the Lion, fantasy, the wardrobe the fantasy that, genre yeah. of, you know, the 20th century. Mm-hmm. The Lord of the Rings movies really paved the way for 21st century fantasy yeah. in so many ways. Which I
1: hope gets better because when I stop and try and think of a good fantasy movie that's come out recently... I just think of a lot of really bad Jeff Bridges ones. And, yeah. uh, you know, the the first Narnia movie is pretty good. But, like, we were talking about Sword and Sandal movies a, a little bit ago. Mm. And the idea that Gladiator launched all these movies after it that were all trying to hit the same, mm-hmm. you know, fire as Gladiator. Lord of the Rings, I guess, did that too. But it's.
0: Yeah, no, there haven't been really yeah, anything solid fantasy wise. No. I know they're making a big budget, super expensive. Dungeons and Dragons movie? I was Didn't about to say about
1: this. I think the closest thing we've gotten is um fox Machina It's like the closest we've gotten yeah. to like, a really solid fantasy story.
0: So, I mean, there's always hope with that. Yeah. But what I mean, it? you have botched Dungeons and Dragons so much on on the screen over you the. You don't years. like
1: Jeremy Irons like literally eating That's the scenery. Horrible. Like literally eating it.
0: That's almost as bad as ben kingsley in the blood rain movie oh my god
1: I forgot which about that.
0: him and michael madsen and michelle it's like dude what are these people doing it was so why bad. are you in this they movie? were uv bald though so that yeah. that explains all that yeah. well folks this has been a wonderful episode episode 62 of nerd Pet generations we'd like to thank kelly again for coming out.
2: Yes. This was an absolute delight. It Come was Come back any time.
0: Love we loved having you on this show.
2: It,
1: if I if it makes it so I have to watch it again, we can watch Strange New Worlds. And you can catch up on all that and give your opinion on how great it is. Oh, that's so fantastic. Yeah.
0: yeah, I know. I got to do the same with all of you. I've to mentioned to watch it. it. So. so, our plans for next show. We still have to iron them out and make sure everything goes without a hitch, but...
1: Well, that blonde boy's back and he brought his hammer.
0: Coming out this Friday is Thor Love and Thunder, mm-hmm. and we're talking about trying to see that and do another reaction show like we did with Doctor Strange. Still got to hammer out those details, but hopefully that'll be the next show. Yeah. Uh, once again, if this is the first time listening, please go back and listen to our previous episodes, especially if you want to listen to the companion to this one, which is episode 61 where we talk about The Hobbit. You could definitely tell the, the, the overpouring of love in this one compared to the last <laughs> yes. one. Yes. But And then if you want to thoroughly... Get a good laugh, go back and listen to the three previous, no, five previous shows to that where we just destroy about Obi-Wan one, Kenobi, which I, is the greatest that, thing ever. That was one of my favorite things from this morning <laughs> was,
1: you know, my family, we never just finish. Like yeah. you, you finish in the restaurant and then you walk outside and you talk on the curb for a little bit and then you walk to the car and you talk for a little bit mm. and then you get in the car and then you leave. And so we were talking to my mom at the car for mm. a little bit and... I was like, did you watch Obi-Wan? And she was like, oh my god, it was terrible. <laughs> and it's just like, everybody that I talk to agrees it's awful. And then online I see everybody being like, it's the best show I've ever Which seen.
0: All of my best friends in the world who are Star Wars apologists have all agreed that it's terrible. And I'm yeah. like, for you to say that, especially my, the guy was the best man at my wedding, one of my oldest friends... He's like the apologist of apologists in our groups. So but even he said it was terrible. And yeah. we pointed out a bunch of things. I was like, thank you. Yeah. So those yeah, are... everyone giving it nine out of 10. I don't know where you're, you're coming from.
1: You were smoking something really good. really uh, bad yeah yeah it was heavy whatever it was final
0: tangent of the week right there folks so once again NerdPod Generations look us up on YouTube look us up on podcast site of your choice Uh, you can find me at staylorbooks.com you can find me at judsonstudios.org under the Bronx Vision tab and you can find
1: us in your dreams ladies and gentlemen have a wonderful weekend have a wonderful week friends and enemies would you like to sign off Kelly? bye